Welcome to the Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back for the week of July 29th, 2018, for the 10th Sunday after Pentecost, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to have you back, and I am excited to dig into this week. I think it's a really interesting text, and I'm really excited to talk about this one because I think I have a little bit of a unique perspective to bring to the table for this week. So, I'm going to quickly, before we really get into it, do my shameless plug for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I would say, what are you doing? They have a great Sermon Brainways podcast, along with great commentaries and lots of great discussion over there. And I would also recommend, if you have any additional resources that you think I should be checking out, feel free to shoot me an email. Hit me up on Twitter, which is Faith and Sci, S-E-I, pod, P-O-D on Twitter, and I would love to hear your suggestions or different places that I should check out. But as we get into this week, we have a gospel text out of John this week, and we're going to be in John for the next couple weeks. We have the Bread of Life weeks here for John, and I know for some leaders in the church or preachers, it gets a little bit, oh, what are we going to talk about with this? And this week, a lot of people were saying this is kind of setting the table for the next couple weeks. I have a bit of a different take, and I'm really excited to share it with you. The gospel text is out of John chapter 6, verses 1 through 21, and we have then John's take on the feeding of the 5,000 is really what we have here, but there's some key points to bring up. One, it's a little bit different time than especially if you're going to compare it to Mark's that we kind of skipped over. It's during Passover. And when that is going on, you have this large group of people who are following Jesus. And Jesus turns to Philip and asks, where can we buy bread for these people to eat? Knowing Philip's response, he turns back with, it's going to be six months wages to pay for all this food. He goes through the crowd. They get that there's five loaves and two fish. It's shared among the people on a big grassy area. It then is collected after people have eaten. They gathered up baskets and baskets filling 12 baskets full of food. The I think one of the key verses out of this is actually verse 15, that you have people in verse 14 saying that this is a sign, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world, starting at verse 15. When Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force and make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. The disciples then get in their boat, are crossing Capernaum, the sea gets rough, They're rowing, and Jesus is suddenly walking on water to meet them, tells them to be not afraid, and then their boat reaches shore. End of John's story here. So really cool gospel. The first reading is out of 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 42 through 44. And it's a really good complimentary read to the gospel text. It really feels like it's being pulled to help complement that. You have a man from Baal, Shalazah, which what I picked up from Ralph Jacobson from the Working Preacher podcast is that Shalazah would be the third. So it's the third church in Baal. And it's that he's bringing food, the first fruits to God's house to be shared. And Elijah says to share them with the people, let them eat so that they can be filled just like with the word. Great text. And I would say it's so much better than the alternative first reading if you've been going through first and second Samuel. This is second Samuel 
chapter 11, verses 1 through 15, and I would say it's probably one of the slimiest readings, one of the slimiest stories in Scripture. The Old Testament does not look on this reading very well, especially with what has gone on in the world since the last time that this was read in a church. The Me Too movement might really influence this reading for you. And this is David and Bathsheba and how David finds this woman. You could read it as that he was overcome with lust. He lies with her, gets her pregnant, and then he decides to not only kind of kill her husband, but kill his whole unit after he tries to get him to discover it on his own, and he's just not about it because he stands with the people who he's fighting with. So I think there's a lot of character about Urak, but also just kind of one of the slimier moments of David that I would also argue it shows the human side of David and shows how one, he is definitely not the Messiah, but two, how even what is considered probably the greatest king of Israel fairly easily still had some rough edges. And one thing that might be a pop culture thing that maybe you can bring in, and again, remember, I am a male talking about this and I I feel like I have to specify that because I look at it differently than a female would look at this text. But one of the things that I have thought about a little bit with this is if you follow baseball at all, Josh Harder, the pitcher, he's a relief pitcher with Milwaukee Brewers. And during the All-Star game, and he was in the All-Star game, they found kind of some racist or not culturally appropriate text that he sent to friends on Twitter as a teenager, as jokes, as inside jokes that don't come off very well and he's now going through sensitivity training and I think baseball's actually handled it fairly well but it's kind of one of these things I think we're going to continue to have is this discussion of as we have you know, professional athletes and digging into kind of their history and realizing that Twitter and all these different social media platforms have been out in the public longer and longer and teenagers may have been exposed to them. Where's the line? And we want these concrete lines and it's maybe not necessarily there. And it makes it hard. It shows that we all make mistakes. We're all human. And I think it's one of the points that we can see here with 2 Samuel with David. The psalm this week is Psalm 145, verses 10 through 18. And this is a praise psalm, plain and simple. Praising for the kingdom, praising for the blessings that we get to see on a day-to-day. The eyes of all who look to you. And you give them their food in their due season. You open your hand, satisfying the desire of every living thing. The Lord is just in all his ways and kind in all his doings. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Starting at verse 15, going through 18. So a very nice, heartwarming piece that you have. It's very contrasting compared to the alternative first reading. But again, a praise psalm that kind of, again, brings in the food that we kind of have. The second reading is from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, and this is a prayer. And we get, again, these reoccurring things of how we have been blessed with these gifts and that Christ is then dwelling in our hearts with faith, being rooted and grounded in love, and that... This love and that Christ gives just helps us 
encompass everything around us. And it just, it's all encompassing. And that now, starting in verse 20, now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all of us can imagine, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. The last two verses there. Just a great powerful verse that just kind of wraps you up and hugs you tight and you feel warm and fuzzy about it and it's a great overall readings it can definitely lay the foundation for what is coming in the next few weeks out of john but i think it's easy to you know i could easily talk to you about the science of how we need food and all this different things in that way and then comparing it to being spiritually fed but i wouldn't to take a little bit different slant like I keep kind of teasing you with and the slant I want to take is based off of some experiences I've had the last two days and I know I've brought up his name before and I'm going to do a quick shout out to one of my favorite people on the planet of Brian Collins and he gave me a, a text the other day he's one of my birding friends and said Tyler are you around I got I found this really cool bird how about you come and check it out and we ended up going and checking out and I'll, I'll probably explain it more in some other podcast i don't want to leak all the beans because there's still some things we're trying to figure out but it was a really unique bird and it was a really cool awesome experience but one of the things as we are at the edge of this forest overlooking a lake covered probably by 85 percent lily pads and we're looking out over some rookeries of great blue herons we have a beaver dam that's maybe ooh, 50 feet to my left we have a yellow throated wobbler chirping away kind of irritated that we were semi close to the nest but we knew we weren't, weren't close enough that we we're really in true harm but we're hearing water thrushes and all you know seeing wood duck young seeing beaver is awesome and he turns to me after the first day, and I went out there again tonight, he turns to me after the first night and says, what a gift this is. What a blessing it is for us to be able to experience something like this. And I was so happy and I couldn't agree more. It was one of the things for me that's so powerful and heartwarming for me when things get rough to be able to kind of hit the reset button with something like that. And I find it as kind of a contrary type of thing to science in a way. And what I mean by that is some people, and at times myself included, we think of science as just technology. And there's a whole nother side of science that's just observation. And at times they kind of come head to head. And I've been feeling this more and more. Because one of the things that I really like doing in my spare time, I really like following technology news. I like following and seeing what's coming with smartphones and computers, though I'm not as good with computer stuff. Uh, but just kind of seeing in overall what is coming with technology. It's kind of fun. It seems like you're seeing the future. But one of the things for that is it's easy to get carried away with it and miss life because of that. And I've thought about that myself some as I've been kind of going through this summer, going through different things and thinking about how many times I'm looking at screens instead of being out in the woods, being out and seeing the different things. And it's sometimes really frustrating for me. But I was also then kind of looking at some tech stuff last night and, and kind of got me really thinking about it in a, in a new way. So one of the big things that you may have heard about before is virtual reality or augmented reality. Virtual reality being that you put on some type of headset, that you're having some type of screen in front of your face, and it's 
helping you perceive that you're in some other place. So maybe you're scuba diving underwater. Maybe you're playing some video game that you're pretending to be out in space. I even watched some where you kind of had some first person view type stuff of the Olympics this last year, the Winter Olympics. Super cool way to watch the Olympics, not going to lie. Augmented reality is where you don't have a screen in front of your face, but you're still seeing the world, but there's new things maybe popping up on the side. So think about it like one of the videos that I was watching had it as you have like a smartwatch on your wrist. And when you have, let's say, the weather app on your wrist pop up along your arm, you would see the five day forecast or that you flip to your messages and then along your arm, you'd be able to scroll through and see kind of the messages back and forth you've had with that person. And they've talked about this kind of even with in the smart home or the internet of things where you'd be able to have different screens or different things within your home that you maybe wear some type of glasses so that you could see these augmented reality. And to me, it's really exciting, but I don't want it. And that comes from me as kind of a I would consider myself somewhat of a little bit of a techie. I like following this stuff. I think it's really interesting. I think it's really cool. I've gone at times out of my way to try something out. Maybe not purchase it because I can't afford it, but to at least kind of see what, what it's all about. But I don't want it because there's a beauty in front of my own eyes that I don't need augmented. Let me put it in another way. Uh, one of the things that I'm also, as I've talked about before in this podcast, I like taking photographs. I'm a photographer. And I, most people, if you talk about a DSLR, it's a bigger body camera. It has a mirror in it and that you look through a mirror, through a piece of glass to take an image. And I've spent hours and hours and hours looking through what I would consider one of the best pairs of binoculars in my life that I get to look at birds or watch sports or to be able to try to capture these things that I'm seeing. And I was talking with Mr. Collins as I was out there. It was just awesome as we were talking about this. And one of the big things that's changing in camera technology is this thing called mirrorless technology, where it doesn't have a mirror. It's just a big sensor. And one of the advantages, quote unquote, of it is that when you look through the viewfinder, you're not actually looking through your piece of glass, but it is a digital image. It's pixelated version of what you are seeing through your glass. And it's being able to adjust already the, the contrast so you can see if you're underexposed, if it's too dark or overexposed or it's too light. Just right there and you can just scroll it and you can record exactly what you're seeing. I mean, there's a lot of cool things with it. But I would talk to Mr. Collins about it. When he said it, I was so in agreement Then I'm not seeing it anymore. I'm now looking at pixels. I'm looking at a digital version of what I should be seeing. I'm not actually seeing it. I'm not looking at it then like a pair of binoculars. I'm looking at a digital image perceiving what it thinks it's seeing. I'm no longer seeing it anymore. And in a world where we're becoming more and more digitalized, I start to wonder how much of this are we actually starting to do already in our own world because we decided that watching something or doing something on our phone or checking something out on the internet in some other form or fashion is pulling us away from the beauty that's already around us. And how does this tie back in? Look at this gospel reading from John. He asked Simon Peter to feed these people. He says it's going to take six months wages. It's too much. We can't do this. We don't have the technology. It's too big of a task. So what does he do? He blesses what they have, five loaves, two fishes, and feeds the people immensely. 
feeds the people way over what they ever expected. They then are going to take this huge leap of faith and he purposely disappears because that's not what he's wanting to have done at that time. I've thought about this with my own life. The best pieces of advice that you typically get from people are the ones in passing, are the small little tidbits. It comes down to like a single quote or two that end up making a big impact and they may or may not know what's actually going on. And that's the thing that I think is so beautiful about life. The thing as a techie that I am seeing, we have these great quote-unquote communicators that is causing us to actually communicate less and less face-to-face, to get less and less of those moments, I feel, in actual person, or actually hearing the person's voice because we don't even want to pick up the phone to call them. We'd rather send whatever we can digitally. And we become sucked in and watch all this time go by as we're doing all these quote-unquote productive things. And we maybe are missing the simple points that God is trying to give us. There is a lot of beauty and a lot of the gifts that God is probably trying to show us to help us understand that are out in the world and we just need to go and find them. One other quick point that I'll get to on this is something my mother stated to me. She's been saying it the last few days, and I think she has a point. With this faith and science discussion, where you'll get people who say, I believe in science. And the funny thing that I find with that as a scientist is it doesn't really make sense. The beauty of science, and I know I've stated this before, is science is trying to understand something. That's the point of it. That's why it works so beautifully with faith. Science changes, so faith needs to evolve as we continue to try to understand more and more. Like we've talked about before that when Copernicus proposed the idea that the sun was the center of what he said the universe, but we now know as a solar system and that we were revolving around it. All the church was, no, 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 that doesn't work. But if you presented Copernicus right now with all the data and all the stuff that we know from the Hubble telescope and how many galaxies and and how big our universe is, they wouldn't be able to absorb it. They wouldn't be able to understand it. When you say that you believe in science, is the glorification of your own brain. And I would agree with that statement that my mother, I will give her credit that she has told me. And I would agree with that. The problem with that is science is constantly changing because our understanding of things is constantly changing because they have to. Because as we explore things, we get to understand more and more about this. This is what faith is all about. As we dive in and talk about these things, and as I, for me, go out and see the world, see nature, that's when I start seeing God and understanding the new and different things about God. When I see rare and unique things going on with birds and then trying to figure out why is this happening, I am trying to understand more of the essence of God. That's why to me, saying that I believe in science doesn't make sense. Because science has to keep changing, has to keep evolving. You don't have faith in anything. You have faith in a continual moving target. Faith keeps me grounded. Jesus, in this text, blows our minds with feeding all these people with five barley loaves and two fish. He shows the miracle of what he has. But he also is showing He can deal with and show his power with what is right there in front of us. Imagine you're Philip and you're asked, how do we feed all these people? Are you going to, you've been told that someone has five loaves and two fish. There's 5,000 people there. That's not going to feed them. (laughs) 
You would overlook that so quickly. Not even fun. I mean, that's a thousand people per loaf of bread and 2,500 per fish. Those better be some big, big fish. It's comical. But God presents himself in a new way and shows the miracle of life right there in front of us and takes what's there and says, here, look how beautiful this is. What are we missing? Because we think we need something bigger and we miss the beauty that's maybe right in front of us. For me, I can look to all this different tech that I wish I had, things to help make this podcast better, things to help me be a better photographer, things that just would make my life more convenient, but I miss the beauty of my life right now. I miss the things that God has already gifted me that are make my life that I have been just gifted that I miss. We are in, most of us listening to this podcast are in a developed first world country. And because of that, we have more things given or opportunities for us than many parts of the rest of the world. What we would consider a third world country understands is to appreciate what is in front of them, what is given to them. They understand it's a gift from God. They understand that each day is something worth celebrating. Because if you look at from the different missionaries around the world and the videos and testimonies and different things that they're showing and bringing back to us, the developed countries, the thing that it screams to me is they have it understood way better than we do. They understand the purpose of life so much more than most of us ever will. So when I was in that moment yesterday out with Mr. Collins at this lake, thinking about all these different things, thinking about the struggles in my life, thinking about how things are difficult, just like everybody goes through stuff. I was able to take a moment and really appreciate where I was, who I was with, and the beauty that God was giving me right in front of my eyes. I didn't need a cell phone to do that. I didn't need technology to see that. God had gifted me the ability to be able to see, to be able to sense, to be able to hear, to be able to feel and the gift to be able to understand that I was seeing a gift, that I was experiencing a gift from God. What gifts are you missing because you're wanting something bigger? Twitter question of the week. What gifts are you missing because you're looking for something bigger? Philip was looking for something bigger because that's what he thought he needed. God showed him otherwise. We have the first reading here from Second Kings showing the gifts that were given were more than enough to show the beauty of God there. The alternative first reading we can look at and understand, one, the beauty of God making humans, but that we're flawed, that each of us is beautiful, and we're so beautiful to each other that it causes us to be flawed, that we don't realize the gifts that are in front of us. David took a misstep and missed the beauty of what God had already done for him. And we all make these mistakes. And that's why we have grace. We also need to learn from things like this. And again, I'm a male and I just don't feel like I can talk about that reading appropriately and well enough. I really don't. But with these last two readings out of the Psalm and out of the Ephesians, we talk about how this love of Christ around us is so surrounding. If it's so surrounding, we should be able to see it everywhere we go, everywhere we're doing. And we don't need technology or science or we don't need that stuff to see it. It can help support it, but we don't need it to see it. We have all these gifts that have been passed on. We have fruit getting ripe in the due season. We have all these different things for us. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. 
What gifts are you missing because you're looking for something bigger? I'd really like to hear your feedback on that this week in the Twitter question, or just send me an email, or get in contact with me somehow, some way. I'd love to be able to have some user, I'd love to hear some correlation. I'd love to have a conversation about this. I'd love to hear, how is this podcast benefiting you? Is there ways that you think that I could improve this? Because I am open to suggestion. I am open to constructive criticism. Let me hear it. And I'm excited that we are getting into these next few weeks of the bread of life from the book of John. And I'm excited to talk about these. But I'm excited to also say, I'd love to see what gifts are you seeing around you right now? That'll be the second part of the Twitter question. What gifts are you seeing around yourself right now? So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.